Hello and welcome to the Radical Reformers podcast. I'm Andrew Laird. This podcast is for people who want to understand what it really takes to make a positive impact in public services. It features leaders from councils, the NHS, central government, charities and social enterprises, as well as think tanks and social investors. This is about policy and the implementation of policy and the grit and determination it takes to run successful public services. It's not about politics. Politics does not feature at all and the discussions are all the better for it. It's also about the stories and personal journeys of the leaders I speak to, the challenges they faced and the lessons they've learned. Running and reforming public services is incredibly difficult, and I'm very grateful to these inspiring leaders for taking the time to share with others. So before we get into it, I just want to take a second to thank my friends and colleagues at Mutual Ventures for supporting me to do this podcast. My day job at Mutual Ventures is about supporting public services to be better, more sustainable and more connected to communities. This means working with central government departments to help them build bridges between policy development and local implementation. It means working with councils to help them plan for the future. And it also means working with NHS trusts to help them find their place in the new health and care system. So I hope you enjoy this podcast and that you get as much from it as I have. And don't forget to subscribe on the website or follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter to make sure that you never miss a future episode. And you might even want to go back and listen to some of the older ones. This episode is with Sam Plum. Sam is the new and inaugural Chief Executive of Westmoreland and Furness Council. Westmoreland and Furness was created when Cumbria County Council split into two. So Westmoreland and Furness has half the old county council and the three districts which used to sit in that geographical footprint. Sam describes the entire process of establishing a new council and despite this being one of the fastest, if not the fastest, local government reorganisation there's been, it took quite some time. And it's interesting to hear Sam's perspective on a period of time where the focus is on settling and stabilising and then never losing sight of that Ford vision. And Sam has some really clear ideas of what she wants Westmoreland and Furness to be. And that centres around the three E's of equity, economy and environment. We talk about the priorities that Westmoreland and Furness has. And one of the real striking things for me in this conversation is how Sam sees herself as a place leader, not just the leader of an organisation. And I think there are huge lessons to be drawn from this conversation for place leaders and council leaders everywhere. So let's hear from Sam. Sam, a very warm welcome onto the podcast. I'm very excited about this conversation. Um, for people who maybe don't know who you are, could you just say a little bit about yourself? Good to meet you, Andrew, again. Um, yeah. So I'm Sam Plum. I'm Chief Exec at Westmoreland and Furness Council, which is in Cumbria, half of Cumbria. Um, so I'm a, I probably describe myself as a bit of a local government geek. Um, yeah. Public servant. Me too, me too, me too, yeah. <laughs> public servant through and through. Um, 32 years local government experience. Got into it quite quite a weird route, I guess. Although I think chief execs come from all different walks of life now. There's no kind of right and wrongs, I don't think. But my route in was through 
countryside management, nature conservation. My first job in uh, local government was a countryside management officer at Northampton County Council back in the oh, 1990s. Wow. Uh, and then got involved in Local Agenda 21 when that was a thing, kind of through the 90s, uh, which led me into partnerships, which led me into policy and performance, which in a convoluted roundabout way led me to where I am now. Very interesting. And where were you before you took up your post in the new council? So I was chief exec at Barrow Borough Council. So I was yeah. at one of the councils that was directly affected by LGR. Before that, I was a director at um, Rossendale Council in East Lancashire. Before that, yeah. I did about eight years at Bradford, uh, various roles at Bradford uh, Metropolitan Council. Very good. And LGR, just for those listening, that the acronym for local government reorganisation. Yeah, sorry. I'll try not to use I'll try not to use any acronyms. It's easy to jump into that. Yeah, no, that's fine. No, no, it's good. It's it's absolutely fine to to use acronyms. Just as long as we explain, because this is an educational conversation as well. We hope so. Acronyms are fine because people do use them. So it's it's all good to use acronyms. So let's get straight into establishing a new council. So the establishment of the new Westmoreland Furnace Council came from the splitting of Cumbria County Council and the associated districts into two standalone unitaries. And you are the inaugural chief exec and have been leading a lot of the work to embed the new council and establish the necessary relationships with partner organisations, that type of thing. Can you give listeners a flavour of what some of the big tasks were or maybe still are? Yeah, absolutely. So if I go back to whilst we were still seven uh, councils in Cumbria, uh, I think one of the things it's probably worth saying early on is that um, the local government reorganisation in Cumbria was one of the fastest that's ever been. Uh, We were on the same timeline as uh, Somerset and North Yorkshire, but the difference being that for Cumbria, the government decision was to create two new unitaries rather than one. So a very different beast in that we had to separate the county council uh, and disaggregate everything from the county council and then aggregate up three districts into each of the of the new unitaries. So that that felt quite a huge task, really. Um, we got the letter from government asking us if we wanted to play um, in 2021. Um, we got the decision in 2020. We got the decision in July 2021 and we went live as two brand new unitaries on the 1st of April 2023. So it was a 20 month process from getting the decision to actually going live. Um, given the fact that we were still in COVID, um, cost of living crisis had started to become a thing. Um, we were still delivering the services of seven sovereign councils. Um, so to go through that process, as well as everything else, did feel uh, very challenging. Um, So one of the first things we did was set up some funding. We don't get government funding to do local government reorganisation. It needs to be funded by the councils that are being uh, reorganised. So we managed to build a pot of money from the county council and the six districts of just shy of £20 million, uh, and that was used to get us to vesting day or day one, 1st of April 2023. But, But that in itself was a huge undertaking. So if you think about separating a county council, you've got all your staff that you need to decide which new council they're going to go into. You've got all your services. You've got all your ICT platforms um, your case management systems for things like adults and children's services um, your assets. 
uh, and everything else. And that that whole needs separating into two brand new organisations that will operate safely and legally from day one. So the the LGR programme really focused on that. How do we get safe and legal by the 1st of April? So that was the whole programme's purpose, primary purpose. Uh, myself and Andrew Seekins, who's the chief executive at Cumberland, which is the other half of, of um, Cumbria now, um, we were both appointed as interim heads of paid service um, around April 2022. Um, so we... we so, they, so almost a year. Uh, yeah, a about of a, a year, year before. before. Yeah. 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 And there was, there was a stepped process to that in terms of interim and then designate and then permanent, which kind of yeah. we had to jump through quite a few hoops, as you can imagine. But yeah, so, so I think for me... Um, I was absolutely concentrating on Barrowborough Council ending well, because that's where I had been chief exec, and all the other councils ending well. But I was really focused on the two new councils starting well, and that on day yeah. two, whereas everybody else's attention <laughs> was absolutely rightly on day one, we were really yes. thinking about day two and what we needed to do to actually run the organisations once, once we did go live. So first job I had to do was run elections. In May 2022, we elected yeah the shadow authority um of 65 members so a lot of those members were um existing either district or county councillors already uh, some were already double hatted some were brand new um but and i was head interim head of paid service but i had no budget uh, I had no. no paid staff and I had no services and I had 65 members who'd just been elected who wanted to do stuff. And we kept having to say, well, you can't do anything until next April because it's not your council yeah. yet. So that that was in itself a really interesting journey, working with the councillors, setting up, the, you know, they set up the cabinet. I've got a um, Lib Dem administration. They set up a cabinet model. Um, so the big jobs that we had to do before vesting day that weren't about safe and legal was write a council plan so what are our visions what are our values um what are our priorities what do we want to achieve with this new organization that we're about to set up we needed a constitution so that we could go live and actually make decisions from day one that's quite important that we had that really good governance in place and the committee systems and the decision making processes yeah. that we needed as an organization and we needed a budget um well the council set the budget in february 23 two months before we actually went live as an organisation, before we knew our staffing, before we knew lots of other things. So that whole 20-month period was um, extreme, Very fluid. I guess. And very <laughs> fluid as well. So were, were some of the councillors retaining their posts as, for instance, the, the, count, the old county councillors as well as being shadow in the, in the new system? Because yeah, I imagine you had to have some overlap there. Yeah, so the so the existing councils all still existed right up until the thirty first of March, and they were still making decisions. Yeah. They were still having regular council meetings and cabinet or executive meetings, and they were still running the business of the council. We couldn't stop running services. Um, so my yeah. leader now, Jonathan Councillor Jonathan Brook, uh, was leader of South Lakes District Council. Is now leader of Westmoreland and Furness Council. So he was going to both. Sovereign Council meetings are making decisions and then Shadow Council meetings are making decisions. So he was really kind of having to play that. What are we doing yeah. now? And then what we're going to want to do in the future. So, yeah, there were a lot of people in the same position. But I've got three ex-district leaders as cabinet members now, plus some right. um, county portfolio holders. Deputy leader of the county council is one of my cabinet members. So really strong, really strong um, cabinet, which is fantastic. And lots of corporate so, memories. 
lots of experience and corporate memory, which is really important. Now, on the topic of corporate memory, how much of this is or how much of this can be a new blank sheet and how much of it is necessarily inherited from what came before? So I think at the moment, kind of getting towards the end of year one, we're probably still very much delivering what we've always delivered. And there's a couple of different reasons for that. Um, but I mean, first thing to say really is we are an ambitious new council. Our council plan is really ambitious. Uh, members are ambitious. I am. Um, we've got a lot to do for our place. It's a fantastic place, but we've got huge opportunities and huge challenges. Uh, and we want to, you know, we want to use this new unitary organisation to really drive out changing outcomes for our residents. And that's absolutely paramount mm-hmm. to what we're doing. So we want to really focus on that, focus on people, focus on outcomes, focus on our place. Um, but we can't drop performance in anything that we were doing. Yeah. And one of the things that I think, I don't think I realised it till quite late on in that LGR journey, is that all the staff, apart from my senior leadership team, who were recruited into brand new posts, all the staff tupid into um, the organisation. So yeah, I don't know yeah. if I have to explain tupid. I can't even remember what. No, no, I think we should be fine. It's, it's it, it's the technical process through which a person would transfer yeah. when something like a contract yeah. transfers. So the, the kind of yeah, yeah. yeah. So because the sovereign councils were being um, closed down, all the staff had employment rights to move into the new organisation. Uh, and once we'd gone through the process of working out which which way the county council staff were going to go, whether they were going to go to Westmoreland or Furness or Cumberland, then we could start that process. Um, but that protects. So TUPI protects employees from those big restructures and mergers and reorganisations that happen. Uh, And so they're locked into their existing terms and conditions and their existing contracts until we have a good reason to do otherwise. So my big clear message to everybody from day one is keep doing what you've always done until somebody tells you to do something different or you're involved in restructuring or redesigning the processes that you deliver on a daily basis because actually TUPI protects you to carry on doing what you've always done uh, in the way you've always done it so we inherited everything that we'd always done so we weren't starting with a blank canvas at all but we've got to overlay that with a real ambition for Westmoreland of Furness to be a unitary council in its own right and not to be a stitching together of legacy organisations that doesn't really change so it's quite an interesting balance um there's some things where you can see straight away we've already just bringing teams together where so the example I use quite a lot is planning. So for district yeah. councils up and down the country, um, the local planning authority quite often struggling to recruit planners, quite often don't have the funding to have a full um, suite of planners with experience in everything. So for me, I can say hand on heart, my three district councils probably were delivering a suboptimal planning service because we just didn't have the resources. We were using agency planners because we couldn't recruit into permanent and various other things. So none of us were doing great. Planning is a really important driver for housing and economic growth. It's really important that we're doing it well. Already in 11 months, our planning performance, just because the team still working in their own terms and conditions, but they're working flexibly across the patch where there's, you know, if there's more work to do in one area, they'll move to that area and then they'll come back. 
we're already improving performance. We're already turning out planning applications faster than we were. Um, we're getting less challenges. So that service in 11 months has already improved just by bringing three small teams together into one. Yeah. Really interesting. Thank you for that bit of detail there. I think something like that really brings it to life for people. So just let me ask you, what was the hardest thing to either amalgamate or split during the process? I mean, I'm immediately thinking about something like children's services. Yeah, so... So one of the, so I've said already that one of the things we focused on was safe and legal. Uh, and there were some things where we determined that in a 20 month time frame, it just wouldn't be safe or legal, uh, usually safe actually rather than legal to separate things too quickly because it would have really disrupted mm-hmm. the system. So there were a number of services that we kind of, um, kicked over the fence, which we kept as hosted services. And they were either hosted by Westland and Furness or they were hosted by uh, Cumberland. And we've got a big inter-authority agreement that makes sure that that's um, being managed well. Uh, but we did say that even if we push them over the fence, there's some things that we couldn't do for that day, but we still wanted to do over time. But there's some things yeah. that we might actually say we'll stay together as one county-wide service for longer than that because that makes sense and it's economies of scale and various other things and it makes sense to do so for example one of the things we host is our emergency planning and resilience team which if there's a major incident and you step up um the local resilience forum to deal with a major incident usually in cumbria it's weather related but it can be other things um but if we have to do that it makes sense to do that on a county footprint because it's then in line with your blue light services and united utilities and other other partners so there's some things that we host that we'll probably carry on hosting on behalf of the system for a number of years so with some things with children's services we did split um, the county council had an area-based model for both adults and children's services, so it was okay. kind of easy to say. Well, those social it's workers are working, do, yeah. Yeah. working with families in Barrow, so they'll keep working with families in Barrow. Um, so some of it was easy. The, dim, the, the really tough stuff was actually the systems and the IT systems and the platforms yeah. and the applications that we use, case management records. So you might have a team of social workers sitting together um, and all of a sudden from the 1st of April, half of them work for Westmoreland and Furness and half of them work for Cumberland. And the systems that they use to manage cases, all of a sudden there's um, a data protection wall that needs to go up between them. Um, and so we need to separate out those those systems and that data so that we're keeping people's records safe uh, and we need to build our own systems and separate that so you know so one of the things that we're still running um separate payroll we couldn't aggregate all the payroll systems to, so we had to get permission um from government to keep different PAYE numbers even though we're one organization so they gave yeah. us two years extra to um create one payroll out of for me four payrolls so i think there's there's things like that but it's mainly most of this tough stuff really was system based yeah no that that makes a lot of sense and i'm sure try, trying to execute something like that with all the IT systems and everything that's set behind it is ferociously complicated. You've just described really clearly there the huge amount of work that goes into this. So at this time, and you, you've already touched on some of this with two people still keeping doing the job that they're doing and how important that is, but still there's a lot of work to do and a lot of change to do. So, you know, given that people still need their public services as, as this work's going on, how did you keep business as usual going at the same time yeah so i mean nobody 
Nobody wants a dip in performance in any of our services. Yes. I don't want that. The staff that are working in those services don't don't want that. The people that are receiving those services absolutely don't want that. And I've got my elected members who, who are really watching performance on this and government departments. I think one of the things we were told fairly early on uh, was that wherever there's been local government reorganisation up and down the country, there's a risk, a big risk of a dip in performance, especially in children's services. Um, yeah. And that, you know, that is really high risk area. Um, you know, safeguarding and safeguarding children is an absolute priority for me as a chief exec, but also for our place. So how do you make sure that whilst you've got all this flux in the system and you're throwing everything up in the air, yeah. that people really are uh, still doing the, doing the day job? Um, so we were really clear that people carried on doing the day job. And like I said, that was a really clear message. Um, we decided to go for a kind of dispersed accommodation model. So rather than saying we're going to have a headquarters and everybody's going to now be based in this place, because Westmoreland Furnace is huge, it takes about over two hours to drive from one end to the other. Right. Um, we kept the key um, anchor buildings in Barrow, Kendall and Penrith and said, if you've always worked out of there, you'll carry on working out of there. So we weren't we didn't disrupt where we didn't need to disrupt. Um, yeah. So we, we kept people working in the same environments, doing the same jobs. But what's changed is the kind of the senior leadership um, capacity um, yeah. within the organisation. I, I create a really quite a big senior leadership capacity. So I've got six directors and assistant chief exec uh, and about. 25 assistant directors which is really okay. big and I, I, and I was really clear with that with trade unions and others at the start that to keep running all the services we run as local authority to stabilise as a new local authority to continue with the integration of those services that's hosted and improvement and then actually that bigger lift and shift of transformation and what does that mean to have that kind of breadth of change in the system, I needed and I still need a really strong, broad senior leadership team. So yeah. I proactively created that uh, and I've been clear that we'll need that for at least the first three years um, yeah. so that we've got we can do the doing but free up the capacity to think about and, and lead the transformation programmes. Yeah, that makes a huge amount of sense. So just on... Um... Uh, having that really good senior capacity, you must have a very clear set of priorities for everybody to be focusing on. So really straightforward question. What are your priorities for the new council? <laughs> um, yeah. How many priorities are priorities? Yeah. So I well, mean, this I, is the thing. This is the thing. Quite, <laughs> quite, quite a lot of the discussions on this podcast, you know, there, there's an acceptance that if you prioritize everything, nothing gets prioritized. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So. I'm ambitious for my, for my place and I'm really driven, so I, I do have to rein it in a little bit. But we're really clear. I mean, as I said before, Vesting Day, we'd got a council plan. So we've got a clear vision that Westmoreland and Furnace is going to be a great place to live, work and thrive. And thrive is a really important word for, for us as well. So underneath that, we've got the usual pri uh, priorities that you usually expect to see in a council plan. But they're all tied up in the three E's of equity, economy and environment. So we're really thinking about social justice with with everything we do. In terms of economy, we're really clear that we want a sustainable uh, and green economy. So we want the, we want growth, but not at the expense of people or planet. Uh, and environment cuts through everything we do. Nature recovery and climate change absolutely cut through everything we do. So we've got that strategic high level 
direction and vision and prioritisation. But within that, there are some really important strands. So community, our residents, our citizens absolutely sit at the heart of everything we do. So we really need to work with them uh, and support them and enable them to thrive. So what are the conditions that we need in Westland and Furness for communities, for residents to thrive and reach their full potential? Um, so I've got an assistant director for community infrastructure and his job yeah. is to really think about all those places, spaces where people meet, come together, whether it's a library, a sports ground, a community centre, a, a play park, and really make sure that they're really strong places where communities can connect and get to know each other and work on their own priorities and their own projects. So community is really, really critical. Um Culture of the organisation, stitching four organisations together into one uh, brings many, doesn't just bring four cultures, it brings many cultures. Uh, And so what is our culture? What are our ways of working? What are our values? What are our our behaviours? So that internal focus, one council culture programme is really important. And then finally, collaboration. So none of the things that we want to achieve for Westland and Furness we can do on our own. Local government doesn't have all the levers definitely doesn't have the resources um, and it doesn't have all the answers actually so how can we really collaborate in different ways who are the partners we need to be working with including our residents and how can we build those really strong stakeholder relationships and partnerships so that we're all collectively driving um, in the right direction for Westland and Furness. So I want to talk about prioritisation for a little bit here and this is not not specifically about what you prioritise, but the process around which you manage to do that, because there are a lot of demands on public services and a lot of demands on public service leaders. And the opportunity of a new council in some ways allows you to take a fresh look at what exactly priorities are. And I wonder if you could just talk through what what sort of process you went through, what sort of conversations you went through there. Yeah, I I do want to do everything everywhere all at once, um, obviously. But, um, yeah, we need to prioritise. And I think for me, from day one, it was really important that we gave some clear messages um, to our politicians, to our staff, to our partners about the ambition and the real drive to do things differently, but doing that in a really managed way and being really clear that actually if you look at other places that have gone through local government reorganisation, it can take seven, eight, nine years before you get through some of this. And it's we're not in this, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And, and we need to be really clear with that. So for, for year one, I was really clear that what we needed to focus on was stabilisation, bringing those four organisations together and enabling people to get to know each other in that new organisation, but also to settle. Um, They've been through, you know, for me, for my own staff, they'd been through one kind of crisis after another and one huge work programme after another since the first COVID lockdown in, in March 2020. And we're now in in. February 24, that's a lot of heavy lifting that they've had to do. And I didn't want to chuck in another transformation programme on top of that. So we've held a really steady line, I think, that stabilisation, coming together, getting to know each other, getting the basics right and really basic basics like having one lanyard that gets you into every council building rather than having to wear four because you've got one from each old one with just a different coloured 
Yeah. You know, really basic, basic car parking, printers that work because you've come car from... Car parking the, always comes up, doesn't it? Car oh, always, always. So important but, for people. But, you know, if you've got an ex-Barrowborough Council kit, laptop, then you can't, if you go into another building, you can't use the printers because they're not networked. So just really basic stuff that enable people to do their, their regular job well yeah. was really important. So stabilisation, getting the basics right really thinking about good governance and making sure that where people have, well, I've always done it that way, but that was old council and now we're new council and this is the way we do it. So some of those kind of really good governance, doing the boring well. So that that's kind of been our year one focus. But it's so, that's so important what you've just talked about there, stabilisation and getting the basics right. Because what could have happened is this change could have happened and people could have started to feel that it was worse for them because they couldn't get into the buildings, they couldn't use the printers. And it's like, well, I used to be able to do that. And actually, some people leap to trying to do the really ambitious stuff without that stabilisation. And because people, you know, if you think about it like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the things that you need before you're even ready to entertain, some of the benefits are the car parking, being able to get into the building, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, So that... But I don't want to lose the benefits of unitarisation. And I think that's the other key message is we've been through a lot of pain, but we really need the gain. And to get to the gain, we do need to do improvement. We do need to do transformation. So stabilisation has been year one priority. But we've also started to think about integration and improvement and what are the things that we can do quite quickly. So we agreed a priority of seven programmes probably around July, August time, where we said we can't do everything all at once, but these are the things where we know that there's opportunities to improve, to integrate, to harmonise, to do things differently. So the four service-driven ones are, no surprises really, adult services, um, children's services, planning and waste collection. And again, waste collection, you know, emptying people's bins and the fact that in one patch you pay for green waste collection and the other two patches you don't and that kind of so that that harmonization of waste collection so wherever you are you're going to get the same thing felt it's 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 a real it's something that everybody gets from the council it does it it seems like a small thing if if you're thinking about the big challenges of adult social care children's social care but that is probably the main contact a lot of people have with their council so getting that right is yeah, absolutely. bins and potholes it's all about yeah. bins and potholes isn't it really yeah yeah, <laughs> so, yeah so, so they're the four service driven ones uh, then there's an operating model one obviously new council we've got to have an operating model we've got to be clear about what's what's going to be uh, the west london furnace way and how we're going to work you know what are the things that are important to us and how we work differently uh financial sustainability uh is one uh, and then pay grading which is quite controversial in some ways but I've got four groups of staff who did 2P in are all protected but as a result I've got paying grading all over the place so I've got people in teams that have come from different sovereign councils doing the same job and not on the same grade so that and again that that's that's probably my biggest worry is paying grading that we need to support staff and support the organisation to have one harmonised system as soon as we can so that people don't feel disgruntled by that. And so the opportunity to have a new start and a new council, you're, you know, instinctively as humans, we think about what new stuff we can do. 
were you able to stop doing anything? Were you able to, because my experience of public services is that I'm really good at layering things on top of other things, but quite difficult to stop doing things that it maybe, that maybe have a bit of a legacy, especially. Yeah. So I think we probably haven't stopped many things, if any things. Uh, it might, it might be that some smaller things, uh, small cogs in the wheel have kind of been left behind and nobody's quite noticed yet that they've been left behind because of all the churn. Uh, and we might or might not dis- discover those in, in time, in time to come. Um, but I think what we have managed to do is really focus on the things that are really important uh, and then pivot more resource into those areas. So we have got big priorities around working with communities in different way, prevention, early intervention, um, climate, um, community wealth building and sustainable economic growth. Where we're saying those are real priorities for us, housing delivery is a massive priority for us. We've got to, we've got a declining population and an aging population and we need to reverse that trend. So we do need yeah. more people to come and live and work here. So we need job opportunities and we need decent family homes for people to come and live in and we need great schools and all those kind of things. So if you think about what we need to create as a place, We've got we've got um, huge priorities, but none of the four sovereign councils were really geared up to do some of those things. So even when we've bolted teams together like we have in planning, it's still not quite enough to get us where we need to be. It's not giving us the step change that we want. So what we have been doing is looking for savings in some areas and then using the savings to pivot budget into the areas that are priorities. So the savings are coming out of doing less of some things, doing things differently, looking still looking for efficiencies. I think that's kind of I think that's a busted flush in local government, if I'm honest. Mm. But, you know, we try, we try. And I think, you know, that is that is giving us the opportunity to to really put funding and put resources into the things that we know that we need to improve and increase. So we are building capacity in some areas, which is, um, I think, probably unusual at, at this moment in time in local government. I talked to a lot of chief execs that are making really difficult budget cuts as part of the budget setting this year, and I'm not in that position. Yeah, no, that that's good. Uh, just uh, interesting what, what you said there. It's not the first time a council chief exec or a senior leader in the council has said to me that back when austerity started in you know, 2010, whatever that was, there was a bit of fat in the system, for want of a better word. I don't like that phrase, but I couldn't think of anything better on the spot. Whereas now, everything is so lean, there really isn't those easy savings to be got. Yeah, I yeah, I agree. And I think so we need to think about different ways, different ways of working. And I think that's where our operating model will really come into its own. And it's already starting to bear fruit, fruit to be honest. Yeah. So, you know, by by bringing district and county services together, you can do things like have your housing officers and your adult social care officers and your children's social care officers working in a really different way about the housing officer yeah. and housing offer, how we support people, how we support people to be independent in their own homes for longer, how we enable communities to to thrive so that they're doing more for themselves and therefore living healthier, happier lives, but also yeah. they're not putting additional pressure on hospital services or, or you know, the, the whole yeah. health and care system that's on its knees. And I think those opportunities to work in a really different way because we're one council rather than four are already starting to bear, you know, we're already seeing our looked after children figures coming down rather than continuing to go up just because we're starting to work in a really different way. 
So our staff really embracing that ability to work more closely with colleagues like, you know, social care and housing, really brilliant example that might have been in two completely separate organisations is now kind of, are those teams taking the, taking the opportunity to work together? Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, again, it's early days. We're not even out a year one yet, but they all were having better conversations, more joined up conversations. They're also bringing in third sector organisations and community organisations into that mix as well, because, you know, we have we have got a real priority around prevention, early intervention, getting in early and supporting communities to thrive um, where they are and playing to strengths as well. Absolutely. How do we think about that strength based approach? So that's bringing offices together that it's 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 kind of because all your assistant directors are in one organization it's kind of easier to have the conversations i've worked in two tier areas and i've worked in unitaries and i've worked in all sorts of different councils but you do seem to get a lot in of tension in two tier areas where you get people well that's not us that's them or that's not us that's them and yeah. well i do this bit but you'll have to talk to somebody else about another bit and and actually just being able to have one conversation with all the right offices in the right place at the right time makes a massive difference. Uh, uh, absolutely. So just on the staff and the people, leadership and culture is is an area that I love to spend a bit of time on within these conversations. And, you know, bringing together four different organisations with four different cultures sounds challenging. Um, you've mentioned this is something that you needed to overcome, but could you just describe a bit of the detail as to how you went about that? Yeah, and it's an ongoing journey. It's definitely yes. not done and dusted <laughs> by any stretch. But, um, I mean, we did develop some values uh, as part as part of the council plan, uh, and we're really clear about about the values. Um, we we went out and recruited change change champions from within the organisation, and we where we kind of kept an eye on where they were coming from and where they were volunteering from, uh, and then really targeted some areas where we hadn't had any volunteers but I've got about 130 140 change champions now from every different service area mm. they come together regularly and they're looking so they're kind of a finger on the pulse from all different levels within the organization of what's working what's not what are the ideas for doing things differently are some of the messages landing are they not landing so I think that that's really important I think Communications is just absolutely critical to, to this and it's two way communication. So I do a monthly, um, it was fortnightly, then it went to three weekly. We just dropped it to monthly, um, chief exec Q and A. So, and it is Q and A. So I'm there. It's usually on a screen. We try to do, I think we've done two rounds of in person face to face. Uh, but I usually get over 200 people turning up to those every month asking me questions. They quite like, typing into the chat bar rather than actually putting a hand up and asking it but it's still it's still interactive um and that's really positive um and, and are you seeing sorry sam are you seeing the nature of questions that you're getting in that forum change over time yeah so a lot of the getting the basics right stuff came from those q a sessions early on through yeah. april may where people were frustrated and you know things were getting in the way and we had blockers so we used yeah. it to kind of get you know to to out some of that stuff and and address some of that stuff and now it's moving more towards um operating model but also i mean paying grading is still there it's still a constant issue uh, and we do need to do something about that next year but i think 
Yeah, they are changing. I've also got an, a, a, like a dedicated email address called Ask Sam. Um, so they can all, if they don't want to ask a question in that forum, they can just email me direct. Um, and, and again, we do that. All the directors are doing roadshows and um, team days and, and we're doing some kind of getting different directors together as well. So we're not creating our own yeah. new silos, <laughs> which is always a risk. Um, but we did our first staff uh, pulse survey after three or four months and I think about it was something like 70 odd percent um knew the values could tell you what the values were yeah. not necessarily living and breathing them yet not necessarily seeing them in daily practice yet but at least yeah. that kind of message has landed so it's a it's a it's a constant never-ending journey isn't and it, it will be it will be I mean you you're, you're probably I imagine you're probably you're probably develop some behaviours as an organisation that you'll probably want to maintain even mm-hmm. through throughout and past the kind of embedding yeah. process and then there's some things that are more focused on that. Just but just um let me just ask you about how important speed of action is when you're doing a big change program like this. So you've probably got a window of opportunity to embed something. How did you think about that and, and how have you put that into action? We've said our first change program as in a you know a a program of activity that's got a clear start and end and is resourced open, mobilising, and it's got all the bike program management stuff wrapped around it. It's probably going to be a three-year program, so we're going to do it in bite-sized pieces, and we'll probably need at least three three-year programs to get through what we need to do. So we've been clear about that. So that is kind of how we've prioritised and said these are the things that are going first. Um, everybody else just carry on doing what you're doing. We'll 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 get there eventually, but it's not yeah. something that we're going to do in first few years. So that's given some stability um i think you know the the whole branding around westmoreland and furnace and the messaging around westmoreland and furnace our story our delivery framework for our council plan are all co-produced with staff with staff groups with partners with residents so that we're just trying to create a different narrative about what this place is and i think that that's really really important let's go five years in into the future you're a brand new council right now but in five years, what do you want Westmoreland and Furness to be known for? I think five years feels like a good enough horizon that it's yeah. close enough that you can see it, but it's not. Yeah. So yeah. So five years. I mean, if I, I think if I go back to those kind of three E's of equity, economy, environment, I think in terms of equity and social justice, we've got some huge um, health inequalities poverty, other things that we really need to tackle, whether it's rural uh, isolation and poverty or whether it's, you know, urban deprivation in places like Barrow across the patch. We've got some we've got some issues we need to tackle. So in terms of that, what I'd want to see in five years time is a much more uh, engaged citizens, a real community focus, a real citizens focus. And that that the work that we're doing now to create the conditions for communities to thrive I'd really be wanting to see that bearing fruit in five years' time. Mm. Um, so whether that's more active groups, more active citizens groups, people feeling a little bit happier, people being a little bit healthier. I think that's. I think five years feels like like a good time frame for that. So that's that's one thing. Um, in terms of economy, 
we do want the, the economy to grow. We have got a, an aging population and a declining population, and we do need to re- reverse that. So we really need to think about economic growth, but in terms of you know how much of that can be really local. Um, so if we want community wealth building to be a central pillar of what we do, then how do we create local businesses, small medium enterprises, social enterprises that are going to be able to win those contracts and spend that money that the public sector and other anchor institutions spend? So how can we really think about that? in in a bigger way so in five years i'd want to see more startups i'd want to see a thriving social enterprise sector um i'd want to see more environmental businesses thinking about transition and just transition and what that looks like um and i'd want to see significant more house building so we're hoping that we'll be able to get a new westland and furnace local plan within three years uh, which is ambitious. I don't know if you've ever written a local plan, but they, they can take a very long time. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So I think that, you know, recognising that we've got we've got a, something happening in Barrow um, with significant growth potential through BAE systems that government's really prioritising at the moment. Um, so I'd want to see significant house building uh, and try and shift that population trend. And that's a real, really priority for us. And I think in five years, again, we should be able to see that. In terms of environment, we do want to be seen as the natural capital of the UK. We have got a huge amount of natural capital already. We've already got, um, you know, vast areas of land that are designated as protected landscape in one way or another. I have half of the Lake District National Park and a third of the Yorkshire Dales National Park within my patch. And I think that's something that we can really celebrate and be proud of. You know, we're responsible for feeding and watering the UK, uh, powering the UK and being the lungs of the UK. And I think that natural capital of the UK is something that we can really aspire to. Fantastic. That that sounds like a really exciting set of ambitions. So just going back over some of the things you've said there, you've got your three E's, your equity, economy, environment, which seems to sit behind everything that you're doing. And then you have more kind of operational priorities around adult social care, children's social care, planning and waste collection. Is that a fair summary that you've kind of got your three themes that you're that you really want to to be the focus over the longer term whereas maybe those operational ones are more kind of one two years yeah absolutely and i think for me it's the difference between transformation and improvement and integration uh, yeah. and i think that i think the threes are really how we want to transform the place so they're very externally focused uh, whereas the other programs are more internally how do we transform yeah. ourselves so if we've got the right you know all the stuff that's really important that i haven't mentioned life having the right ict uh, enterprise architecture and customer and digital and yeah. people strategy and all those things that make us work as an organization but are quite internal they're all part of that short-term program whereas yeah. the bigger program is that outward-facing ambition that's absolutely wrapped up in our council plan delivery framework yeah no that, that's really clear so sam as a final question what bit of advice would you give to someone working in or around public services who wants to make an impact in the way that you're making an impact in Westmoreland furnace um i think so i think um, be really clear about what you want to achieve and be ambitious yeah. with what you want to achieve Really think about place rather than organisation. So it's, you know, I, I see myself as a place, place leader first uh, and the chief executive of a big organisation. And, and has, has that been easier because this is a new entity? Because yes. that, that, yeah, because that's really interesting because I know a lot of people say that but find it really difficult when it, it meets reality. 
Yeah, absolutely. Being able to say we're brand new and I can still, and we're not a year old yet, so I'm still playing that. Absolutely. We're a brand new organisation. This is what we stand for. This yeah. is what we want to achieve. This is what we want Westmoreland and Furness as a place to be. Yeah. And, and with that, that platform's really precious. And I know a lot of local authority chief execs aren't in that same position. So that is really, really important. It's a really good point. But so I think that focus on what you want to achieve, I think, Go with your gut quite often as well. That's my yeah. personal reflection. And the other thing yeah. is listen, listen and learn. Never stop learning uh, and never stop listening. And sometimes with the listening, get outside of the echo chamber and listen to voices that you wouldn't usually listen to. And I think that for me yeah. is really, really important. So I'm talking to business leaders, but I'm also a civic commissioner on a poverty truth commission. And I don't know if you've yeah. got any experience of poverty truth commissions, but being a civic I, I a civic commissioner on a poverty truth. So they bring together community commissioners, which are people with lived experience of poverty, with civic commissioners who are potentially people in a position of power. And it's really mm. about really speaking truth to power. This is what my life's like and this is how your institutions stop me. And this is how we can have a different conversation to really think about how we tackle some of those issues. And those monthly in-person sessions that I have with those community commissioners really challenge me and get me out of my local government bu- bubble and really thinking about the difference that we actually really do make to people's lives good bad and di- indifferent and how we can be different so I, I would say listen but listen to different voices get out the echo chamber fantastic sam loads of rich advice and a great story there of a brand new council which sounds like you're making a fantastic start there so thank you so much for your time thank you thanks andrew Really interesting conversation. There's a couple of things I want to pick out in particular. The first is how Sam explained her approach to complex change. So it starts with a period of settling in, getting the basics right, making sure passes work, making sure people can connect to printers, car parking is right, and basically assuring people that life hasn't got dramatically worse or more inconvenient because of this change. And then Sam delineates two periods of change. The first are short-term improvements, and she had clear priorities around adult social care, children's services, waste management, that type of thing. These are things that can be done relatively quickly. Then we talk about transformation, and Sam sees that as something that is over a much longer period of time. And indeed, at one point, she talked about the council having a very clear idea of having three three three-year programmes of transformation. Now that's almost a decade. When was the last time we heard anybody at a national level admitting that difficult things take a long time to actually achieve? So I thought that conversation about how you actually go about long-term sustainable change was really fascinating and lots of lessons for all walks of life there. And the second point I wanted to make was Sam's approach to being a place leader And she was very clear that she sees herself as a place leader rather than just the chief executive of a council. And I find that fascinating. We're doing quite a bit of work at Mutual Ventures at the minute around place leadership and radical place leadership, because the ambition that Sam has around equity, economy, environment, these are not things that any one organisation on its own can ever achieve. And you could say the same thing about a lot of the ambitions that the new integrated care boards have around outcomes for children's health. As an example, no one organisation can possibly hope to achieve these things. So you have to look at it as a place. You have to see yourself 
as a leader within a place. And that will necessarily involve working with partners really closely, giving up some things, accepting more responsibility, maybe realizing that everything you're doing as an organization does not just benefit you. And I think Sam has that mindset. And I'm really fascinated to see how things progress in Westmoreland and Furness. So that's everything for this episode. Thank you as always for your time. And don't forget to follow us, like us, give us a rating wherever you get your podcasts.